about something that's hopefully an encouraging thought to you today. Kind of gain us perspective today. Don't we all need perspective a little bit sometimes? Sometimes we need that 30,000 view from up above, that 30,000 view perspective that helps us see life in its situation and life in its where it's at. And, you know, life is difficult. Life is full of trouble. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of everyday chaos and everyday things that are happening in our world. Every day you turn on the news, there's this thing that's happening or that thing that's happening. And uncertainty, fear, and trouble are all emotions that we deal with on a regular basis. It certainly is. That's my case, at least I know. And as we talk about uncertainty, fear, and trouble a little bit this morning in depth, we're going to look at a life of the early believers, that this was the status of the early believers. And the Bible talks about this in great depth and length. And we know from historical writers that tell us, as you read the New Testament or read after the book of Acts, really, how these churches were going through persecution. They were going through tough times, difficult times. Times that I think we can even relate to today, although we're not facing persecution like they were facing. As we read the book this morning, we're going to read in Revelation today. As we read in Revelation this morning, we're going to understand the perspective of a church that is situated in the middle of daily threats and persecution. Every time that the church would stand up and proclaim, Jesus is Lord. It was a threat to the Roman emperor. It was a threat to the rule of an absolute throne of the Roman emperor that expanded across the land. And it was a threat every time that the church would begin to expand and grow. It was a threat. And so therefore, because it was a threat, the Romans would try, the Roman emperor and the Roman reign would try to suppress the voice of those who proclaim that Jesus is Lord. It was expected of the people, of all the people, that they would worship the Roman emperor as deity, as a god. And of course, this was a direct violation of every Christian tenet that they knew, that there's only one God, God Almighty. Historical accounts tell us that, tell us about the emperor Nero. And Nero was looking for someone to blame for fires that had begun to plague the city. And so he began to seize and kill Christians as a way to find someone in the blame. The Roman historian Tacitus tells us that large numbers of Christians were arrested and killed. Some were dressed in animal skins and torn apart by dogs. Others crucified and set on fire to serve as outdoor lamps by Nero. And the abuse was so severe that even people who were hostile to Christianity criticized the emperor Nero's actions. And in the middle of all this, in John's writing, he himself was being kept as a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos. Fear, worry, uncertainty, anxiety, grief, trouble flooded the church. You can only imagine wondering, is this the day that they're going to find me? Is this the day that my life is going to be taken from me? However, in the midst of great trouble came a great revelation that John records and that's what we're going to read this morning. This morning, we're going to read in Revelation chapter four. And as we're reading today, I want you to really try to imagine with me for a moment the scenario that John is describing 
of this beautiful sight. This beautiful sight of the throne. And as we're reading today, Jonathan's going to play a little bit to just help you kind of imagine for a moment the perspective of the throne room. One of the things to keep in mind as you're reading this here in Revelation chapter 4 is to remember that this is words that John could come up with to describe something that was beyond his understanding. So even the words that he had were limited. Even the words he could use, they couldn't adequately describe this. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4, After this I looked, and there in heaven a door stood open. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, John says, I was in the Spirit. And there in heaven stood a throne, with one seated on the throne. And the one seated on the throne there looks like Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. Jasper being a clear stone, Carnelian being a red stone, trying to find ways to describe this sight. John goes on to say that around the throne are 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones are 24 elders in white robes with golden crowns on their heads. And coming from the thrones, or from, coming from the throne, are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne burn seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne there is something like a sea of glass, like crystal. Skipping down to verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six rings, six wings, are full of eyes all around and inside. And day and night without ceasing, imagine this for a moment, day and night, they don't stop. They never stop. They just keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one, this is what John is describing as he's watching from a distance. He's watching this all unfold. He says as they give glory and thanks, he notices that there's one who's seated on the throne. He lives forever and ever. And the 24 elders, they fall before the one who is seated on the throne. And they worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power and glory. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This beautiful picture, heavenly worship, a moment where the cherubims and the seraphims are surrounding the throne. The elders' thrones are throwing their crowns at his feet. And this is happening day and night, night and day. This image, holy, 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 it's the Lord God Almighty. And in the midst of all of their worship, there's flashes of lightning and bolts of thunder that are coming from the throne. And what appears to be a sea of glass that is extending out from the throne and a rainbow that is circling the throne. Images and sights and colors that had never been noted before are being noted here in this picture. What looks like to be this absolute beautiful sight that John didn't even have the words to adequately describe. This morning I want to talk to you about seated on the throne. In days of uncertainty, in days of fear, 
and in days of trouble, especially in the days that John was writing in. Imagine this for a moment. Here is the church. John is arrested. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's been stranded for the gospel's sake. And all of the other church around them, here they are, abandoned and persecuted. But yet John sees a vision of the throne. This isn't by accident that John gets a vision of the throne in the times that they're living in. It's not a coincidence that God speaks to them and John and tells him to write down these things that are happening in the nature of what is happening to the church. It was certainly a day of uncertainty, fear, and trouble, but yet John recorded a revelation of the throne of God. And God is on the throne, and He is sovereign. And the remedy today for us, for you and I, as we're going to talk this morning, for uncertainty, fear, and trouble for us as believers, because it can happen. It happened to the churches in Revelation. It can happen to us today. The remedy for that is a fresh perspective of the one who is seated on the throne. And this morning, I want to talk to you for a few things that are found here in Revelation chapter 4 that teach us about the throne, the one who's seated on the throne. And things we can learn today and hopefully be an encouragement to all of us in what we're dealing with here this morning. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible says that at once I was in the Spirit, and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. It's important as we talk about the throne this morning that we have the image and the mindset that Jesus, the God Almighty, the Lamb of God was there also in the presence. You can read later on in Revelation 5, 6. You can see this picture of the Lamb. But here is the Bible describes the one who is seated on the throne. And the idea of God being seated on the throne conveys a picture of one who is in control. John did not see God looking up as he looked up into heaven, pacing back and forth, worrying with all the things that were happening to the church. God didn't, John didn't see that. He didn't write that down. John didn't look up and see God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit having a powwow about how they were going to fix all the things that were happening and trying to get things situated and all that. No, God, John saw God seated on the throne. John didn't look up and see that there was worry on God's face or fear or anxiety. No, what God, John saw was God seated on the throne. And the very nature of God being seated on the throne invokes the meaning that God is in control. John not only saw God seated on the throne, but the activity of heaven continuing as normal. The cherubims, the seraphims worshiping around the throne day and night, night and day. The elders worshiping to the Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy. You are worthy, our Lord and God. The activity continued as normal. And this morning, we ought to be reminded today that God is seated on the throne. Dr. Fate Haygood said it this way, that the perspective in Revelation is not that God will be on the throne, but that God is on the throne. John didn't look up and see years down the road that God would eventually take his place on the throne. No, what God saw was happening right then and there, that God is now, even this moment, seated on the throne. 
This isn't the first time that scripture tells us that the throne is not vacant. It was important, the Bible says, that John looked up and he saw one seated on the throne. He didn't just see a throne. He didn't just see a chair that had nobody in it. He saw somebody seated on the throne. And this is a reminder to us today that the throne is not vacant. The universe is not in chaos and nor is it ruled by blind fate. But someone is in charge and it's the Lord God Almighty. And the fact that God is seated on the throne is a reminder today that all of the earth, the planets, our very being, are being held together by the one who is seated on the throne. If God doesn't even have to get up on his, from his throne to help us in our time of need, he just sits there and makes it happen. He's in control. The words, one seated on the throne, occur 12 times in Revelation. And it's John's way of saying, God is seated on the throne. It's almost like John is setting up the, the reverence of the moment, this drama, this scene that is focused surely on the Lord. And the beautiful thing here is that John gives us a look in knowing that the knowing the future is not a matter of obtaining information, but of knowing God who is seated on the throne who holds our future. The ultimate future is not an item of information to be analyzed, but a person to be encountered. And that's what John's speaking about, that the one who's seated on the throne, he holds it all in his hand. The activity of heaven is continuing as normal. And even though things on earth may seem disrupted and it may seem in chaos, the church is going through persecution, whatever it may be. No. God is seated on the throne. Heaven is his throne, the Bible says, and the earth is his footstool. If the earth is his footstool, don't you think the problems that seem surmountably big to us are just little things for God to handle? He's on the throne. The thing about it, God being seated on the throne, is you don't have to worry when life seems uncertain. You don't have to worry and say, I don't know what's up ahead. There's a fear of the unknown in the sense, oh no, God, what's going to happen tomorrow? No, the very fact that God Almighty, the one who created you and I, is the reassurance to our faith that is, he is seated on the throne, that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about how things are going to work out. I don't have to worry about this situation or that situation. If it seems uncertain, the perspective that you and I need is a fresh perspective of the throne. This perspective that God Almighty, he's seated on the throne. The Bible goes on to say here, as we read in verse 5, it says that coming from the throne are flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In the front of these thrones, seven flaming torches. You see the magnitude of what's happening here. That this spectacle is, it's amazing. It's a mighty sight to see. But it also invokes a sense of power. It invokes a sense of sovereignty. God is not only seated on the throne, but God is sovereign. Sovereign means this, supreme authority or rule as exercised by a king, by an emperor, whoever it may be. 
And this was the way that the Roman emperors thought. They thought they were the sovereigns. They thought that everything in their territory was under their power, under their authority. But John gives them a perspective that in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of wondering who is really in control, a fresh perspective of heaven demonstrated that God is sovereign, that God is on the throne of heaven and all else is under his supreme control. In heaven, the place of royal recognition is reserved only for God. In heaven and on earth, God rules. And that realization should bring a fear that John's hearers and readers have heard about the historical rule of Rome. It should overcome that fear, rather, and bring a faith inside of them that any time they open up their mouth and say, Jesus is Lord. God even has sovereignty over the threats that might come of them because of that. God is ultimately due all of the glory and all of the honor. You'll notice that what's happening here in Revelation chapter 4, you can read Revelation 5, 6, all attention is focused on the throne. There's no other attention being given. All eyes are being brought to the throne. All focus is being brought to the throne. The things that are being described, it's about the throne. And many times we see the Bible says that out of three, every four occurrences of the word throne in the New Testament are found in Revelation. Forty-seven times the word throne is found in Revelation. Once again, painting the picture for you and I that the throne is supreme. The one who sits on the throne is supreme. He's in control. He has sovereign rule. Throne like kingdom. In this context, as we read it here in Revelation chapter 4, it was a political term. To talk about the throne meant to talk about politics. It meant to talk about somebody like Caesar or to talk about somebody like Nero. And when, so when John's vision of the throne, when he saw the one looking up and seated on the throne, it implied a political situation to claim who really rules in that day and age. It would have been a countercultural message to the throne of Caesar, the throne of Nero, and it would have been a countercultural way of saying, no, they're not really in control. Only God is seated in the throne, and only God has supreme authority and rule. It brings us the message that today, not only does God have complete control because he's seated on the throne, but God is sovereign, and he is all-powerful, all-powerful. And this ought to be the encouragement to you and I that as we are dealing with situations and circumstances in our life that are all powerful, God, it doesn't matter the things that are happening on this world. It doesn't matter the situations we're dealing with or what we might see on the news. The fact of the matter is, is that God is seated on the throne and he has supreme rule. It doesn't matter what any president, what any ruler or what any dictator says. It only matters what God Almighty says because he's seated on the throne God is all powerful and so therefore if God is sovereign then you and I have to have the faith that says the things that happen in my life they are happening because a sovereign God has orchestrated in such a way because he knows what's best for me and if God is sovereign in all of his ways then I can trust him to work out whatever is going on in my life because he's all powerful Listen, the thing is, 
is you and I, we walk, we talk about the enemy. We get worried about this thing or that thing. But listen, John wasn't talking about the throne of Satan. John wasn't talking about the enemy and this thing and that thing. No, what he was talking about was a heavenly throne with God who was seated on the throne. He wasn't worried about persecution or threats. He was more concerned about this vision of God and a fresh perspective that he understood that if the church could just realize for a few moments that because God is seated on the throne, don't you worry about what Nero's doing. Don't that be a concern of you. Don't you worry about how Satan is coming and deceiving and accusing. Forget that. God is seated on the throne. And because he's seated on the throne, he is sovereign in all of his ways. God is all powerful. The Bible goes on to say that God is not only seated on the throne and God not only has sovereign rule, but we read here this beautiful picture in verse 9 that whenever the living creatures give glory and honor to thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and they worship him. They worship him. What they were recognizing was majesty majesty. Peter said it this way in, in 2 Peter 4, 16, I believe. He said it this way. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And what Peter was saying, we were eyewitnesses of his grandeur, of his glory, of his dignity, of his honor. It was as if they had, you, you and I might have had a visit. We go to London and we go and we visit the palace and we see the queen. And there's this sense of, wow, there's a sense of awe. I saw the queen. I beheld her with my eyes. I saw her and saw it was a beautiful sight how it all happened. There was a sense of dignity and grandeur. But can you take that and multiply it times affinity and imagine for the moment this perspective that John was seeing here, that this was a majestic throne unlike any before a fresh perspective of the throne of the one who is seated on the throne will motivate us towards worship there is no other response to the one who is seated on the throne but then to fall down and worship you can read throughout scripture the other times that people talked about the throne every one of them had the same response that when they saw the throne they worshiped and this is the encouragement to you and I that when you, when we are dealing with the problems of earth to put our eyes upon the Lord. Dr. Fate Haygood said it this way, that when our eyes are on the problems of earth and the situations of earth, it is difficult to praise God. It is difficult to praise God when everything is falling apart. It's difficult to praise God when I can't figure out how to pay my bills. It's difficult to praise God when a medical report comes in that's overwhelming. But it becomes easier, Dr. Haygood says, to praise God when you set your perspective on the throne and you can't help but praise God because of the majesty. The sight of God Almighty is one that throughout the history of the church and the history of the Bible, it always provoked a sense of awe and worship. Awe and worship. Majesty. It was a grand sight. It was a beautiful sight. Words couldn't even describe the type of majesty that was happening here in this moment. But it caused them to praise God. Can I just encourage you this morning, whatever you're dealing with today, the things, the problems of life, 
you're wondering, how am I going to deal with this, this thing or that thing? Can I just encourage you today to remember the one who is seated on the throne? Because you will soon discover that as you begin to read the scripture, as you begin to think about the one who is seated on the throne, your eyes begin to lift off of the worries of this world and you can't help but to be in awe. Our creator, our Lord, our father, he's right there before me. In the moment that you realize and you begin to think about the throne, things like you begin to realize, wait a minute, I've been looking at my situation and I forgot a minute that the one who's seated on the throne, he always provides. He always makes a way. He knows what's best. And every time we begin to have a fresh perspective of the throne, there is something that just arises out of us like worship and it adores the Lord. We can't help but praise him. I'm going to ask the other musicians to come this morning. This vision of the throne is something that can encourage us today that God is seated on the throne. He's sovereign. He's majestic in all of his ways. But this wasn't the first time that a vision of the throne had been recorded. And the interesting thing is, is that every time that there was a question about life, or there was trouble in the land among God's people, there seemed to be a vision of the throne at just the right time. Isaiah chapter 6 tells us, and this is Isaiah's account of the throne of God. The Bible says that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah begins to record his account of the throne. Remember this, the Bible says that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. In a day and age when the kings had become wicked and corrupt and disobedient. It was a wondering, what is going to happen next? King Uzziah has died. We're wondering, is there somebody who's going to come along and cause just as much trouble as King Uzziah? It was uncertainty. It was chaos in the land. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah beheld a vision of the throne of God and remembered once again the one who is seated on the throne. Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel records his account of a wheel within a wheel and also records the throne and talks about how he sees this beautiful vision of the throne, which is very similar to John's account. And the Bible says, Ezekiel says, as I was among the exiles. Ezekiel was in times of captivity. It was days of difficulty and wondering what is going to happen with the future of Israel. We've been taken by the Babylonians. We don't know if we'll ever be able to go home again. We've lost all that we had. But yet in the days of uncertainty, just like Isaiah, as I was among the exiles, he beheld a vision of the throne. Daniel chapter 7, the Bible says Daniel beheld this image of the one who's seated on the throne, who had the image and the likeness of a man sitting there in a human form and described the beautiful sight and the, the gems and the stones and all the things that made it majestic, just like John described. And Daniel also recorded it was in the year of King Belshazzar, a king under Babylonian rule in captivity and wondering once again, we're in days of trouble. We're in days of chaos. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It was a difficult day. Just like Revelation chapter 4, in a time of persecution and problems with the church, times of disobedience, times of captivity, times of uncertainty, times of trouble, they always had an image and a vision of the throne of God just when they needed it. 
And it is a reminder to us today that if your life and my life is full of uncertainty, trouble, oppression, anxiety, that what we need in our lives today is a fresh perspective of the one who is seated on the throne. Because when we have that perspective, then we realize it doesn't matter if it's King Belshazzar, it doesn't matter if it's Nero, it doesn't matter if it's persecution, fires, arrested, it doesn't matter if we're eating famine and thirst, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter. The thought that matters is God is seated on the throne and because God is seated on the throne, I can rest assured and know that He will take care of me. He is sovereign, He is in control, and He is majestic in all of His ways. Will you stand with me this morning? Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment here today? At once I was in the Spirit, John said, and there in heaven stood a throne with one seated on the throne. So therefore, Hebrews reminds us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This morning, are you in trouble? You're facing a difficult time? Life just seems uncertain. You're not sure about tomorrow. You're not sure what's going to happen. Can I assure you the same God who causes the planets to spin and causes our earth to rotate on its axis, the same God who feeds the birds, the same God who causes the trees to grow, the same God who causes the tide to come back and forth, the same God who brought our very hearts beat alive and breathe breath into our lungs is the same God who is seated on the throne today. And that same God invites you and I to come boldly to that throne, to that place of majesty, sovereignty and control so that we might be a reassured that whatever we're going through our king who is seated on the throne he's able and he's there for you the response is this come come how many times we read this story we read revelation 4 and we get the image of the throne but we never come it's not about just getting a picture in our mind. It's about coming to encounter the one who is on the throne. Oh, how God delights in that. And so this morning, can I encourage you today? You're in time of trouble, difficulty, pain, whatever it may be. Would you just come and stand here at the front as a sign of I'm coming to the throne of grace? I just need prayer today. I need God's help and encouragement this morning to know that everything's in control. Just come stand this morning. I want to come and pray today because I need the reminder this morning that God is seated on the throne. Just come stand here at the front today. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Just come this morning. Come. Whatever it is you're dealing with today, whatever it is you're going on in your life, just come this morning. Oh, how God delights for us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And as you come, some people are going to come behind you and pray for you. And we're going to agree together that God may do what he says, that if we'll come boldly to the throne, we'll find mercy and grace to help us in time of need. 
So as the choir sings this morning, let's just pray. Call upon the Lord today. Lift up your voices to the one who is seated on the throne today.